Welcome to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the Dollars and Cents podcast with Nicole Romito. Nicole, <laughs> it is great to be with you again. How are you? I am doing fantastic, uh, Bill. It's good to be with you. Uh, you know, I always look forward to recording yet another episode of our fabulous podcast. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to listening to it, as a matter of fact. So it's great. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, our listeners are going to be excited because I have Lori Kaplan back in the studio with me. So this will be our second episode um, with us today. So hi, Lori. Welcome back. How are you today? Good. How are you, Nicole? And thank you for having me back again. I appreciate it. Oh, no, I, it's it's me who appreciates you taking time uh, out of your busy schedule to share your knowledge and some tips uh, with myself and our listeners. So thank you. So before we get into our topic at hand, uh, just in case we have listeners who have not yet had the opportunity to listen to the prior episode that you were on, Lori, I'm going to give a brief background and bio for them. Uh, as I said, listeners, I have the fabulous Lori Kaplan in studio with me today. She is a partner at Michael Silver, which is a CPA firm located in Deerfield, Illinois. She serves as the co-chair for the firm's estate practice area, as well of, as the head of their trust practice. She has served as a trusted advisor to her clients for over 25 years, managing and addressing tax and accounting issues within a variety of industries. Lori brings extensive experience in providing tax planning services to her clients, as well as partnering with them and their team of advisors to discuss and implement wealth transfer strategies. So that's a little bit about Lori. Um, do you want to share maybe a little bit about yourself personally, kind of where you are and how you like to spend your time when you're not helping people uh, on the tax strategy side? Thanks, Nicole. Well, actually, I love traveling, nice. which has worked out very well because I actually have a daughter that lives in um, Bristol, England. So we do a lot of traveling overseas these days. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. And um, she's recently engaged. So we're very excited and busy planning a wedding right now. So I actually have no free time anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> between, work, between work and wedding planning. it's. Uh... <laughs> well, there could be worse things taking up your time, yes, right? Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Well, great. Well, that sounds fun. I look forward to uh, seeing pictures. When is the wedding? Do they have a date yet? Not quite settled yet, but probably August of next year. Oh, okay, good, good. I'm, I'm assuming uh, you were trying to steer them away from uh, March or April or September or October. My daughter was very protective. She's like, we can go as far as August 31st, but after that, mom has tax season, so we can't plan a wedding in September. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's that's good. Good to know. All right. Well, Lori, why don't we get to our topic at hand and we're going to continue our discussion around the uh, what I feel like is the ever evolving and ever uh, 
nebulous, if you will, Secure 2.0 Act. <laughs> um, as always, you know, I have my thoughts and opinions, but please uh, keep us on the uh, straight and narrow, if you will, and redirect since you are the expert in this area. You know, there's a lot of um, things that we do know. There's a lot of things that maybe have been put into the act, but haven't been quite finalized or sussed out. So why don't we start with um, kind of what we we know is um, finalized for, and I, I, think, I think we wanted to start with kind of finalized things for 2023, right? And then yeah. we'll look ahead to maybe 24 and 25. Is that correct? Yep, that is perfect. And and it seems so nebulous because even when they passed the act, there were so many different effective dates for all the different provisions. So I think the whole world is confused about this one. <laughs> so for what so what was effective either if at the time the act passed or 2023, some of the big changes were they changed the age you have are required to take minimum distributions to start them to age 73. So if you turn 73 in, in 2023, then you have until April 1st of 24 to take your first distribution, uh, or you can always take it in 23, but you have that option just for your first one of taking it April 1st of the next year. So that's something important for your viewers to know. Another thing is there is now a Roth IRA rollover op option for 529 plans, um, if that meets certain conditions. So one of the things, 529 plans are those education plans you set up for your kids or your grandkids. And a lot of times you set them up when the kids are, you know, grandkids are little. You have no idea if they're actually going to go to college or not. So what the IRS came up with is said, if you don't, if you have some money left after they've gone to college or not gone to college, and they, the account has been maintained for at least 15 years, you can roll over up to $35,000 of that balance that's remaining into a Roth IRA account. Now, there, now it is restricted to what the annual limit is for each year. So it's going to take you at least five years to get that the full 35000 into a Roth IRA. But And for it, our listeners, what is the, uh, now this will start next year in 2024. So do we know what the Roth uh, contribution limit will be next year? Yeah, they're saying 7000 Okay. All right. So that's to the point where you did your back of the envelope math that if 35,000 is the most yes. you can do, uh, but you can't do it all in one year, you're going to have to kind of drip it out over right. five-ish years based on the limits this year. Okay. Correct. And and is that um, $35,000 per uh, beneficiary? So if you opened up accounts, let's say you have three grandchildren and you mm -hmm. did a three separate 529s for each grandchild. Yeah, it is. It is designated by, it has to be, it is by beneficiary. Okay. And, it, and the Roth IRA account has to be in the name of the plan beneficiary as well. Okay. All right. Great. There were a couple other things. Um, one of the interesting provisions is up till now, if you missed an RMD in any given year, the penalty was 50% of that missed RMD. So yeah, listeners, know, I just want to emphasize huge. that it's that's huge. So it's 50, five, zero or half. And mm -hmm. uh, Lori, I know with a lot of the clients that we work on together, they've amassed a really 
you know, good chunk of change. If you were doing 401ks, you know, since they've started in the eighties and you were maxing out every year and it's growing, maybe your employer had some money. I mean, these RMDs could be for some people anywhere from a hundred to 150,000, if not higher. So we're talking about a serious penalty if you miss these. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting, though, is it's been fairly easy to get penalty relief, though, you know, for reasonable cause. I think because even the IRS thought that was a bit egregious. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. So what they're doing is they're going to reduce it to 20% going forward and 10% if it's corrected within two years. So some of the thinking or concern is now that it will be a lower penalty amount, will the IRS be as forgiving as they've been in the past? So that we'll have to stay tuned to see how they handle these going forward. Okay. All right. A couple other things that are currently, um, there's something called a long, qualified longevity annuity contract that some IRAs have. And what that is, it's a an annuity that kicks in when you turn like 85. So it's for end of life. So you don't, to get rid of that worry that you're going to outlive your, your money in your retirement account. And prior to Secure 2.0, the limit was $145,000 that could be used for that out of your account. And the premium was limited to 25% of the account balance. Um, that has now been changed effective for 23 to you can have up to 200,000 of your account balance. And there's no, no longer a limit on the annual amount for the premium. Oh, okay, great. And can you use that for any type of long-term care? Like if you're receiving care in your home? Well, this is longevity annuity. So it's more that it's going to pay money out. It's different than long-care, you know, okay. long-care health insurance, but it's really just to make sure. So basically you're taking your annual distribution every year, but once you'd hit 85, this long, this annuity would kick in and then you get annuity payments for. Oh, got it. The for the of remainder your of your life. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I know sometimes with annuities, I, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to clarify it for our listeners. Since it's coming from an IRA, which only one person can own, is the income stream from the annuity based just on that single life expectancy for the owner? Or can you do a joint one if you're married? You know what? I actually honestly haven't looked into that aspect okay. of it, but I would imagine it's probably the, the owner. I would, okay, I that would be my guess as well. So, yeah. okay. And I think the last thing for this was that if, if you have a SEP account or SEP, you know, simple retirement accounts, which once they the money gets put in there, they get put into an IRA for a person's benefit. Mm -hmm. They can now be designated as Roth IRAs. So you could do it as a Roth and just not take that deduction. Oh, okay, great. Great, so... That is good. I know there were um, some other changes that we'll get into with more Roth opportunities at this point, mm -hmm. um, but that is going to be a nice way where um, that people can put money away. They pay taxes today, but then it's growing tax deferred and you follow all the rules and the age requirements. It comes out income tax free during retirement. Right. And I think it's really helpful for our higher net worth clients that you and I work with that can't just make a Roth IRA contribution because they earn too much. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I think there are going to be some additional opportunities for uh, exactly the client base that you and I help. So so that kind of takes us to where we are. So if you want, I can just start jumping into what's effective for 2024. 
Uh, yeah, I think before we go into 2024, um, one other thing I just wanted to, and I don't know if you want it, maybe if we want to do this as a separate uh, conversation topic, so you let me know, but I know there continues to be a lot of confusion around um, the RMDs for when you inherit an IRA. Oh. And so if you'd like to kind of stick with our calendar year discussion, we can do that and circle back. You tell me. I just want to yeah. make sure we get to it because I know that I, honestly, a week doesn't go by when I'm either having questions from my clients or colleagues and I are discussing, you know, how does that work? Because that's extremely, I would say, uh, fluid, if you will, over the last few years. Yes. And, and we do get those questions as well. So I'm happy I'm sure. to tackle that now. Okay. So I think the first thing just to get off the table is that if you inherited an IRA before 2020, that the, the rules didn't change. Secure 2.0 doesn't apply to you because you're already you're already taking distributions before that act. Okay. Um, but starting with just starting with people who died in 2020 or later, there was a lot of confusion about how does this new 10 year rule work. So most people will be you're either going to be a designated beneficiary or what they call qualified designated beneficiary. And and some examples of the qualified designated beneficiaries are your spouse. So spouses still get to roll over inherited IRAs into their own name and get that longer payout period. Okay. And and spouses are not required to, if they themselves are younger than the RMD or required minimum distribution age, they are not required to take um, withdrawals, correct? Until they reach the age Right. That's that. Those provisions of the law haven't changed for okay. the spouses. In fact, okay. you generally don't want to roll it into the spousal IRA until after you hit your own retirement age in that case, so that you wouldn't have penalties if you do need to access that money. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So spouses are still pretty straightforward and they have the Correct. most, uh, they still get the most benefit from tax deferral because they're able to stretch it out over their life expectancy. Exactly. And it makes sense because the IRS wants to protect your, your retirement and your spouse's retirement are very intertwined. So, so it makes a lot of sense. You're not changing nothing. I like agree. That. Okay. So let's get into if it's a non-spousal beneficiary, right. then I think this is where the fun begins. <laughs> right. Because for most people, that's you're not going to be a designated beneficiary and you're going to fall under this 10-year rule that came into play with SECURE. Okay. And most people thought it would work like the old five-year rule they had where in the five with the five year rule, if you didn't have a designated beneficiary, it would you'd have five years to take out the IRA balance, but you could take it all out in year five if you wanted. You could do it any amount in years one through four, year five, you'd empty the account. Right. And, and most people thought because they replaced the five year rule with the 10 year rule, the 10 year rule would work the exact same way. And this was coming from, you know, Natalie Cho to another, uh, you know, big gurus in the industry you know, assume that this is how the IRS was going to interpret this rule. But what happened is the IRS came out with a notice that said, wait a minute, this this is great, but this new code section that, that Secure 2.0, you know, generated, didn't, it was like an overlay over the original code for how you handle distributions. And in the original code, there's a rule that says that when you inherit an IRA, you take distribution, and you've already started taking distributions, we take them out at least as rapidly as before. And because of that, the IRS is saying, well, wait a minute, you can't wait till you're 10 to take out 
all those distributions if somebody has already been taking them. You have to keep taking them. So you have to okay. take something in years one through nine. And then, but but in addition, by year 10, in year 10, you have to empty out the account. Right. And that's where all the fun started. Because yes. people are you're yeah. like, wait a minute. And this and this interpretation came out, I believe, in 21. So they'd already missed 2020 distributions that they that they were required to take on. And they weren't sure what to do for 2021. Correct. So, yes, I, I remember that time and not fondly. Um, <laughs> so, felt a bit like the Wild West, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so just to reiterate for our listeners, um, if if the person from whom you inherited the IRA was already taking required minimum distributions and they died January 1st of 2020 or after that date, then you are required to take annual distributions and you have by year 10, the account has to be fully withdrawn. That's correct. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. And also for our listeners, because this is a question I think we both sometimes get, is you can always take more. So you the required minimum distribution is what the IRS is saying you need to take out. Otherwise, there's penalties. Um, but if for some reason you have a, a bigger cash need or maybe for income tax planning, it makes mm-hmm. sense, you can always take more. There's no penalty for that. That's correct. So now I think where we're going to go, I see the smile on your face <laughs> is even though we've talked about the required distribution, let's talk a kind of about what they've done the last few years. Right. So the IRS has come out with notices, the last one being in July 22, that has said that because of all this confusion and and um, and this is out of came out of proposed regs and the response to the proposed regs from the industry was this makes no sense. We don't agree with your interpretation. What are we going to do about the ones that haven't happened that you're saying that should have happened? And what they did is they said, okay, until we figure this out and come up with final regulations, we are not going to assess any penalties if you don't take a distribution in those years. So the relief initially was for years 2021 and 2022, but they came out with an additional notice in July of 22 that extended this through 23. So as we stand now through this year, 2023, if you don't take distributions, it, you're fine. Um, there'll be no penalties assessed. The question will be, since we still haven't gotten final regs, will they extend this for 2024 as well? Right. We probably won't know for another several months if that's the case or not. Okay. And I think one thing just to point out for our listeners is, while you don't have to take it out, it's probably advisable depending on, you know, your individual income earned income situation or well, your earned your taxable income situation. Right. Let me use the right adjective and what you think's going on this year and then what you think will be going on in future years. It may still make sense to take them from an income tax planning perspective. Would you agree, Lori? I definitely agree. And that's usually something we'll look at what tax brackets do we you know, see what bracket they're in? If they're in the 37% bracket anyway, we may not want to do that. Sure. But we at least, but like you said, we at least look at it. And right. sometimes they may be in the 25% bracket or something lower. So we will bracket manage. And um, also depending how old they are, we always look at the IRMA limits for anyone who might be on Medicare. 
Absolutely. You know, when we're when we're looking at this. Yeah, no, that is a that's a key point, because I know that's a big surprise for clients, especially in their first few years of uh, retirement and starting on the Medicare uh, in our Medicare system that they're surprised that oftentimes people are very surprised there is a premium. But then Mm -hmm. If you're getting surcharged because of your uh, AGI, right? Your adjusted gross income. Yeah, it's modified it, AGI, which is basically your, your adjusted gross income plus your beauty income. They look okay. At. All right. So yes, very as usual, very straightforward. <laughs> not 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 aimed at you, aimed at the tax code. So yeah. Okay. So we've got that on the RMDs. Uh, anything else you want to share with our listeners or give them a heads up around around that, the five versus ten year or the penalties or waivers? So the other interesting aspect that is that. When you're looking, you know, so we talk a lot about how we have a designated beneficiary, so this time your rules in place, but there's still another area of uncertainty or clear, you know, where we don't have complete clarity is what about when there is not a designated beneficiary? You know, we work hard with our clients to make sure they've designated somebody with their retirement plans, but what if they named their estate or they named somebody who's now deceased or they never updated their records? And in theory, you'd still go under the old rules because the tenure rule is only for designated beneficiaries. So if you don't have a a beneficiary designated or you maybe have a trust that doesn't qualify as a designated beneficiary, you could still fall under the old rules, which were if you you weren't taking distributions yet, you would fall under the the old five-year rule. And that would still presumably be in effect. And if you, you're, the person had started taking distributions, but didn't have, it doesn't have a beneficiary designated, you would continue taking distributions over the deceased person's life or what they affectionately call the ghost rule. Oh, interesting. So it's not entirely clear, but that's sort of the thinking that that's what would happen. And, and again, hoping maybe for some final clarity on that when they come out with the final regs. Interesting. Yeah, that could be uh <laughs> It could be a technique to consider, but right. <laughs> right. You could actually maybe it'd be better off in some cases. That's what I'm um, making, yep. right? <laughs> if you don't designate someone. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I do want to just emphasize for our listeners, if if you are in a situation where you've inherited an IRA, it's not from your spouse, um, you know, and it's been in the last few years, highly recommend you talk with a uh, CPA or accountant um, to get your tax advice because there's a lot of misinformation or and a lot of misunderstanding around this topic. So want to make sure you have your your plan in place, even though as Lori clearly stated, is we do know that um, they waived the penalties for 21, 22, and 23 you know, you're still going to have that 10-year period where you're going to have to effectively empty the account. So, Yeah, and I did also want to mention, Nicole, for someone who's who has had a loved one die this year, that the requirement to take in a, a distribution on the pers- deceased person really came into effect on January 1st of 23. So if, somebody, if so, if they didn't take their distribution before they died, that you would still need to take. Because that is not doesn't fall under the inherited IRA rules. That's still their requirement. Yes. Okay. Even that, though it goes to the beneficiaries. Right. Typically. Right. 
Yeah, thank you. That's a good that's a good point to uh, clarify. And again, that's why I know uh, Lori and I can't stress enough. You you really when you have situations like this, even if maybe every other year it's been straightforward and you've done your own taxes, these are the things where you do really want to have a CPA who's staying on top of what is the latest understanding, clarification, or, you know, how are you approaching this while people are trying to figure out what the final rulings will be? Hey, pardon the interruption. I know you are listening to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito, and we're happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to myprivatevista.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So I think we've talked that one uh, to death, pun intended. Uh, (laughs) There you go. Oh, yes. I guess you and I with all our fun little tax jokes. (laughs) Hopefully the (laughs) listeners enjoy them as much as we do. (laughs) They they think accounts have no humor, so anything is a a step up, right? I agree. I agree. That's why I'm like, well, if that's what you're thinking, you need to talk to Lori Kaplan. So it's a (laughs) laugh a minute. So, (laughs) all right. Uh, So I think then before we had, I kind of just took us over here. I think we were going to look into 2024 and what uh, some of the things to be aware of that are uh, positive for taxpayers coming our way. Okay. Do we want to start with what is staying in effect for 24 or what got punted down the road recently? Uh, Why don't we start with what is staying in effect and then we can talk about what, what cans have been kicked down the road. Okay. So one of the interesting provisions has to do with student loan payments and because, you know, there was a deferral on student loan payments during COVID, but they but they were resumed in October of 2023. So, so they just resumed. And part of the thinking is now that people are going to have to resume these payments, that's going to be less money that they can maybe put away for their retirement. So what Secure 2.0 allows is that your employer can make a matching contribution based on your student loan payments that you remit. So it's not just normally they would only match what you put into your plan. Here they would also match what you pay for your student loans up to, up to I'm sure certain limits. But that's okay, kind of that was thing. that was going to be a question I was was going to yeah. ask. So okay, I think that is a very big thing. And do you has there been um, maybe it's already in there or is there a clarification if the match will that always be pre tax monies? That one. You know, that one didn't mention Roth, so I think it would be pre-tax. Okay. Okay. So if your student loan payments have started back up, that's going to be something you're going to want to talk to your employer about to f- to figure out, you know, how does that work with your 401k and the potential to have some matching dollars put in on your behalf. And if the employer elected it, because it's that they can make these, not that they're required to. So mm, it would have it. to be in the plan documents. Okay, that's a great clarification. So definitely talk to someone in your HR or benefits department, right. things like that to understand, did they amend their plan and how is it working within the plan then? Right, and if you need to start lobbying them to try to get that in there. Yes, yes, absolutely. It, and that would be a good time to do that, you know, because, you know, it's 2024 will be a full year student loan payments. This is just the first, you know, it just yeah. started mid year. So that was probably one of the bigger ones. Um, another interesting one is that um, 
So, so there was an inequity for a long time between Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks. So if you had a Roth, Roth IRA, you did not have to take required distributions while you're alive. They only kick in once somebody dies. You know, as you mentioned before, Nicole, you can take them if you need the money, but you don't have to. But if you were, if you had a Roth R 401k, you were required to start taking required minimum distributions from the plan. And which didn't seem like it made a lot of sense. And what people were forced to do was basically, if they could, take an in, you know, take a just dis- in-service distribution if you hadn't fully retired yet and mm. to enroll it to a Roth IRA, but you may or may not have been allowed to do that depending right. on the plan terms. So effective for 2024, the IRS is eliminating the requirement to take RMDs for qualified Roth that are in plans. And so they'll be treated the same as, as, as a Roth IRA, which will, which will be nice. Yeah, that's great. So whether you have a Roth 401k and have reached retirement age or you have a Roth IRA uh, and have reached uh, the requ- required minimum distribution age, I should clarify, you yes. you do not have a required minimum distribution from either Roth account. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that is a good change. I like that one. It just makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It does. And it certainly benefits um, the the individual so they can keep that money in there longer and it's growing uh, tax tax deferred and ultimately tax free as long as you have uh, followed the rules on those. Right. That's All right. right. Um, couple sm- a couple smaller ones is that the um, IRA catch up contributions have always been $1,000 since forever. And they're actually going to finally be indexed to inflation, like everything else in the uh, retirement world is. So, I, not going to be a huge, huge, check, you know, percentage when you know when you're starting it with the base of a thousand dollars, but it's something. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's an emergency expense distribution being allowed up to a thousand dollars without penalty that can be taken. Um, I don't know how many people have taken advantage. It's it could help and, you know, like not, for, you know, maybe not for major emergency, but for something a little, little more minor that comes up. The um, kind of more interesting one is had it, you know, kind of had to do with the catch up contributions. So they, the IRS started bifurcating and saying that for workers with incomes greater than $145,000, they were supposed to be required beginning in 24 to make catch-up contributions as Roth contributions. And for those employees under 145,000, the employers could allow the employees to choose between a Roth or a pre-tax account. No, up till now, it's there was no choice. It had a, any employer match had to be in pre-tax dollars. Right. So that'd be taxable on the back end. Um, so, they, so what happened though is it's just, they basically passed a um, notice to say that to basically declare an administrative period of two years so that they, that companies can figure out, they can figure out how they're going to, uh, you know, how are you going to manage this? Because now you have a separate bucket that you have to keep track of. That would be these Roth contributions. The, how are they going to be, you know, because if it's an employer, it's going to have to be taxed. When it comes out, you know, because they because they're not going to get their tax on the back end, so it right. just has all these issues. 
you know, not the least of which is they also have to, employers would have to update plan documents, which can take time. Yes, exactly. Especially if you're doing something that's a broad kind of wholesale change, if you will, that could impact Mm -hmm. a lot of plans. So that is, uh, Lori, just to to clarify, that is not in effect then for 2024? No, it's not in effect now until 2026. Okay. And they did provide relief um, because, okay, what do you do with your catch-ups then? Because now we're saying they can't do Roth, but what can they do? And they're saying they can still make it with pre-tax dollars. Up until, Rega- regardless of the income the employees are Regardless of the income. So until this is in effect in 26, it's sort of kind no of business change. as usual. Yeah. Okay. And say no change right now. Okay. So that's something to watch. But a couple years down the road, was there anything else on the Roth side you wanted to highlight? I think it was it's just more that they're letting the employees put more in Roth. You know, all these provisions are kind of geared to letting people put more money into Roth down the road. And I think the IRS likes it because they don't they they get more taxes today. Right. And they're not worrying about tomorrow because somebody else will be in, you know, in, in control at that point. So, you know, <laughs> that's how it usually works. What? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So, okay, but that does make sense. I think I could see the listeners asking, why would they do this? And you're exactly right, is that they, you know, what is it? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So they're like, let's try and get our money today. And then hopefully I won't be in office to have to deal with the budget deficits down the road. So Exactly. But I think it's interesting. But at the same time, I think it's a great benefit for the highly compensated too, to finally get more money, you know, into the Roths. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So, I yeah. oh, go on. Now, I was going to say, I don't know how you feel, but we like to always have some buckets. I like I like having Roth and traditional IRAs for my clients because it just gives them more flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've probably talked about this before, so our listeners may remember we call it like the three-legged stool. And so we'll talk to clients about just exactly that, like tax diversification. So pre-tax, uh, post-tax, um, meaning two things. One would be you've contributed uh, either money to a Roth, so you've paid taxes today. Ultimately, it comes out tax-free. And then for additional savings as you're paying taxes today, but investing it in a, not in a retirement account. So if um, generally speaking, there's preferential tax treatments, whether it's through the lower qualified dividends or long-term capital gains rates. And I know, Lori, I'm working with clients together, that really gives us a lot of flexibility to recreate mm-hmm. that paycheck in the most tax-efficient way. And it gives clients a lot more flexibility when you still do have that in- inevitable bump down the road. So- it is interesting where I think a lot of us have been programmed of, you know, tax defer, tax defer, tax defer. And we're not saying, no, that's, you know, a horrible idea, but it's understanding of sometimes it is good to pay taxes now because it'll give you more flexibility later. Yeah, it's really hard when you have to make those life decisions and you really want to do something, maybe it's, whether it's a big trip or, and, yeah. you, and you sit there and say, oh, but I have to, but if I do that, I'm going to have to take, pay all this huge tax bill for this year. And that's going to affect my Irma and that's going to affect all these other things. And it exactly. just makes it easier not to have to deal with that. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I know there's a couple of clients where they, 
you know, majority of their savings is in pre-tax and exactly when they want to do a big trip or they're going to buy a car or things like that, you know, they might say, well, you know, we need um, $50,000 and we're like, okay, but we're going to have to take, you know, 80 to 90 out to cover all the taxes um, to net you what you're looking for. And that's just not a fun conversation. No, for sure not for for, for either side. Mm -hmm. But there are a couple things. I know we talked about 2023 and 2024. If we look ahead to 2025, there's a couple of interesting provisions that kick in that actually allow even more opportunity to um, put money away. Okay, perfect. What do we have to look forward there in the next few years? So one of the things is there's going to be a cut the catch up limit, which uh, for 2024 is 7,500 dollars, mm-hmm. um, will be increased for those that are between 60 and 63 years old. Again, beginning in 2025 for those few years, they would be able to put in. It's going to be the greater of ten thousand dollars as adjusted for inflation. Oh, or okay. 150% of the regular catch up amount. So if it was happening based on the 24 amounts, which it won't because it's not effective in that year, if you took 70, 150% of 7,500, you'd actually be at $11,250 that they could do as a catch as an extra catch-up contribution that year. And it's only for people in that age bracket just to give them an opportunity to catch up a little bit more yeah, and, get, and little- prepare for retirement. Yeah, that's great. I think that that's good. We, it's always good to encourage people to save more. And especially if you can do it in a tax advantage way, that's a little added incentive. Yeah. And I thought it might you know be helpful to bring up now because, you know, we're almost into 2024 and then 2025 is only a year away. And yeah. that way it can be planned for mm-hmm. as you're having your discussions with uh, your, your, your clients, with your advisors this year. Yeah, absolutely. That could factor a couple of things, whether you're doing income tax planning, whether you're figuring out cash flow. um, And then also, too, it could even be, I don't know, maybe someone's like, hey, if I can get, you know, $11,000 in there, maybe I will work an extra year or two, Mm -hmm. right? So could it could impact a lot of different decisions that you would have at that point. No, definitely. Um, the other interesting thing in 25 is that they're going to be expanding auto enrollment, which will apply to most 401k plans at that point. So, um, you know, which, which it has its pros and cons, but it's, you know, it's, it's basically to increase involvement, to get more people to actually start saving. Okay. So why don't you, for our listeners, just, can you give us a little, uh, a little more detail on this? How does this auto enrollment work? Yeah, so basically, when you go to join a company, if they have auto enrollment, you're automatically going to be entered into their 401k plan, usually at a set base amount, maybe it's 3%, something like that of your wages that will get put into their 401k plan for you. And you have the option to opt out of it. But what the the IRS has found is that inertia is the most common reaction for people. So if you put it there, they will usually leave it there because it takes too much effort to change it. Yes, so. that is true. That is true. <laughs> so, and there's usually some provisions for slightly increasing it over time to a, bit, a little bit bigger percentage. So it's it's just a nice way to get more people to actually participate. And, you know, like I said, but they do have, they should know they will always have that option to opt out of it if it's something they really don't want for some reason. Yeah. 
Okay. Even though we recommend they participate, obviously. But and the other interesting thing that's in there that I don't imagine they'll come out with more guidance as it gets closer would be an optional provision for automatic portability. So that if you went from one employer to another employer to be able to automatically take move your 401k account with you. Oh, or to make thanks. it easier to do so. So I haven't seen a lot of detail on that one, probably because it's still a couple of years away, but it's getting closer. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Because I mean, it doesn't happen too often anymore. But every now and then I'll come across someone who's has not consolidated their former employer's plans. And, you know, it's just ease of only having one account to have to worry about, but also too just, you know, I don't know, employers come and go. And I know the 401k assets are protected, but still just trying to track down where is the money? Who's the plan administrator? How do you get it out of there? So it's always good, I think, to kind of keep those either consolidated into your current 401k plan if you're still working or, you know, again, consider does it make sense maybe to roll it over into an IRA? No, that's correct. And the other the other aspect of it, I think, is that, you know, the IRS has increased the limit of how much of like how large an account can be that, that an employer can still pay it out or roll it into an IRA for the employee. So I think we might, I don't know if you've seen that yet with more um, I haven't, cash outs, no. but, but we could potentially, and this would kind of alleviate some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, I think you and I knew this going into our conversation. Um, so listeners, it's it's not you. <laughs> it's uh, There's a lot of we don't know or we're waiting for clarification or determination. So I think our number one key, well, my number one key takeaway, and then we'll let Lori share hers, is you definitely want to stay tuned. Um, and you know, there's, there's still time maybe to do some things in 2023. Um, but then just remember 2024, 2025, and I'm sure every year going forward, there's, there's going to continue to be a lot of changes. So you can't just kind of set it and forget it or say, here's what I did in 2023. So we'll just replicate that in 2024. Anything else you want to add, Lori, before we wrap up? No, I agree with you. And I think it's just important to consult your consult your team, consult your accountant, consult your financial advisor, because they're the ones who um, can really help you navigate this. Yes, I, I agree. So, all right. Well, with that, um, again, I know we asked you this on the last one, but in case <laughs> the listeners didn't listen to your first episode, hopefully they'll go back to do so. Uh, and yours is probably one of my favorite answers, but... <laughs> If you know any, no time constraints, no financial constraints. Um, I know you've got, you know, you know, kids and things like that, but where would you most like to live and why? It was funny because I, I know I told you at the time I had about a trip I had taken to Malmo, Sweden, which, um, yes, it was so peaceful and just so, it just was so lovely there and just gave me this nice, peaceful feeling. We're walking down by the water, like there was a boat marina. And I, I called my daughter and I, I texted her and said, okay, I think I found where I want to retire. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've never, I haven't been anywhere in Scandinavia, but it's on my list. So I'll definitely, uh, when I get over there, I'll, I'll call you first to get some pointers. So I've got someone to retire with. 
Yes. Hang there out you with go. One, when I retire, right? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, I'm planning Europe as well. So we'll be we'll be closer, closer to each other still. Right now I've got Portugal at the top of my list. Ah. So yeah. Well, All right. Yeah, I agree. So again, thanks for taking time out to uh, kind of share where we are with the Secure Act 2.0 and uh, where we think we'll be going. But in the meantime, if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so, Lori? They can either call the office, um, it's 847-982-0333, or they can um, email me at lkaplan at michaelsilver.com. Always happy to uh, answer a question for somebody. Oh, well, we appreciate that. I know you're a great resource. You and your team are great partners uh, and always helpful resources to us at Private Vista. So we appreciate all of you. We appreciate the you know the relationship with you guys too. You're great. So oh, thank and- you. I didn't know tax talk could be so much fun, Nicole. I, I you know, know, right? You don't, I, I mean, I wouldn't advise you and Lori go start a stand-up comedy routine at a nightclub, but you know, it's, no, it's <laughs> why not? I was just gonna say we're gonna and the latest development for 2024 is we're going on the road. We're going right. on the road, ladies and gentlemen. Tax yeah. talk so much better with martinis. Oh, <laughs> there you yes. go. <laughs> that we, yes, a hundred percent, wholeheartedly agree. Oh gosh, well we know how to get a hold of Laurie, and that was as always. She's very interesting to listen to. Nicole, if people are listening and they want to reach out to you, uh, tell us how they could do that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's two ways. They can certainly call our main number at 312-831-4370. And uh, Lorraine or Sue B can either get you in touch with me um, or any one of my fabulous colleagues. Uh, Or you can go to our website at myprivatevista.com. And on our homepage near the upper right-hand corner, there's a contact us button. And uh, you can just fill in your information there. Please reference that you are following up on this podcast episode. And again, I'm happy to talk to you or we can get you in touch with one of my colleagues um, either way to answer your questions. That's fantastic. Lori, thank you. Thank you again on behalf of all the listeners. And Nicole, thank you. Uh, For those of you who are listening to this podcast who are not yet subscribers, it is really easy, a whole lot easier than taxes. You just hit the subscribe button. You'll be automatically subscribed, and then you don't have to remember where and when you heard Nicole because it will be delivered to your listening device of choice. We also ask that if you like it, if you would feel so moved, go out there and give us a rating and share us with others. Help spread the word about this podcast. On behalf of Nicole and everybody at My Private Vista, I'm Bill Tucker. Thanking you for listening and reminding you, do not wait. Live your best life today. Thank you for listening to The Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito, sponsored by Private Vista. Visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312-831-4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.
This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.